bless you. It's, um, it seems like it's been a long time since I've been here, you know. And then again, it just seems so fast. It was just, I guess, about eight years ago uh, that we were here and gave our testimony. And uh, so we're certainly uh, grateful for all the things that the Lord has uh, done for us. And uh, it's really marvelous. I, I'd like to say, you know, it, this church has always been a, a great part of our church, even though we're miles apart. And I, I'd like to certainly thank you how that uh, you've treated my son and how warm you've been to him. And, and he sends his greetings. And so many of the ministers here have been down to our place to minister to us and, and uh, be with us. And, and, you know, there's just no way of expressing that. I think it's a great uh, attribute of the bride is their love uh, one for another. And, and uh, you know, uh, of course, I've always had a great love in my heart for your pastor, Brother Bisco, even years uh, before I ever met him. Um, he, he just was special in my heart. And it's because, you know, I realized that, you know, God chose him for the place that he was to be. You know, he put him on the end of that tape measure. He put him on that mountain. He put him there. That wasn't orchestrated by man. That was orchestrated by God. And I've always had great respect for the men that God has used and placed in the positions to bring the word to pass. And he's got an ordained time for all the things that he does. God doesn't do anything haphazardly. He knows what he's doing. He's got a time for it. Even the time that we're in right now, in the place that we're in, God knew. He knew it would be here. And he's always made preparation for us for the hour that we're in. You know, we have so many things in common. It's it's really wonderful. I, I was uh, thinking... Uh, you know, talking and fellowshipping with Brother Tom, we just seem to have a lot in common and we get along. And here recently, uh, we invited uh, Brother Tom and his son Michael down to preach for us. And it was really a wonderful time and it gave us another something in common. And uh, so, you know, through that little meeting that we had, I realized that we do have another thing in common, Brother Tom. We both have sons that can preach better than we do. So, uh, you know, ask, ask Joanne if you're not sure. And uh, so, you know, in something else I, I realize, you know, it's, it's good that we have something in common. Amen? And we do. I, I got this article here the other uh, day, and it, it, it really struck me. And it said uh, here, it said, why religious people generally are less intelligent. I, I mean, I just laughed, you know, but I kind of, it, it's a paradox, isn't it? And it's because of, uh, and we'll kind of talk down those lines this morning uh, if uh, we just want to talk about, but this, uh, this is a reality to this person. It's a sad reality, but uh, we will talk about it. But let's stand this morning 
And let's read uh, some scripture uh, found in our, our, our places in the Bible. And I'd like to read in the scriptures found in Genesis, the 13th chapter, the 5th through the 15th verse, and then also in John 4, the 10th uh, through the 24th verse. And we're, we're heading toward a certain thought this morning. Uh, I don't know if I chose the right road to get there, but it, I hope it's not too long of a road. But we will just uh, go down this road this morning and see if we can come to our thought. And I want to prepare the ground for this thought to you so that that it, maybe we could have a better way of just realizing it and looking at it and looking at ourselves and just kind of have a comprehension of the place that we set in time. And, uh, you, you know, and it's because of the time that we're in that things are the way they are. So let's read in Genesis, the 13th chapter, and starting with the fifth verse, very familiar scripture to us all. It says, And Lot also which went with Abraham had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their was substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and, and the Canaanites and the Pezites dwelt then in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me, and if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. And Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from the other. And Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plains, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot had separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou dost are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the lands without seeth, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And keep that scripture in mind, and uh, especially the thought of the separation that took place. And then let's turn over to St. John, the fourth chapter. And we'll start in the tenth verse. And um, uh, this is probably one of my great favorite stories in the Scripture, and I, I know you know it by heart, but we'll read it again. St. John, the 14th chapter, this is the story of uh, the woman at the well and how that um, she met with the Lord. And 
And we read, And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask him of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast not nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither cometh hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go call thee thy husband, and cometh hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and whom thou art now hast is not thy husband. In that thou saidest thou truly. And the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this land and mountain, and, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Amen. I'd just like to play, you may be seated, I'd just like to play this morning a small little clip of something that Brother Branham told the church. And if the brothers could play that, just listen closely because we want to talk to you this morning. Uh, this is what we normally refer to as the word to the church. But I just want to talk to you about something this morning. And, and this is the key to it. So let us just take a second and just listen this morning. Brothers, if you could. Above everything, love one another. Don't, no matter what the devil tries to say, now you're all one great big sweet group now. But remember my warning. See? Satan won't let that stay that way. No, sir. He'll shoot everything if he has to bring somebody in to make his target. Hmm? He'll bring some critic unbeliever in and set him down and cause him to fellowship with you, other quietness and things. Then he'll shoot that guy with some kind of poison stuff and he'll start through the church with it. Don't you take sides with it. Don't you have nothing to do with anything else. You stay right, loving and sweet and kind to one another. Pray for that man that he'll be saved too, or that woman or ever who it is. Pray for them and stick one with another and stay with your pastor. See? He's the shepherd and you give him respects. He'll lead you through. And because he's ordained of God to do so. How do you remember that? The enemy will come. And when he does, just cling that much closer together. 
And the one that uh, the devil is using for an enemy will either get out or come and be one of you. That's all. Don't never clan among one or uh, 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 talk and make yourself clannish. We are one. I couldn't say, left hand, I'm, I'm mad at you. I'm going to take you away because you're not a right hand. He's my left hand. <laughs> I want him to stay there. Even the little tip of my finger, I want to stay right there. Every little part of my body stay right there. And God wants us as a body of believers to stay right exactly with one another. Right it with one another. And now, you've got tapes on that. You've got tapes on what we believe. You've got tapes on discipline of the church. How we behave ourselves in the church of God. How we got to come here together and set together in heavenly places. Don't stay home. If God is in your heart, you can't hardly wait for them doors to open out there to get in here, to fellowship with your brothers. If you don't, don't feel that way, then I'll tell you, it's time you got to pray. Because <laughs> we're in the last days where the Bible exalted, exhorted us to, to much more as we see that day approaching, to love one another with Christian love and divine love, to assemble ourselves together in heavenly places and, and, and Christ Jesus and love one another. This will all men know you're my disciples when you have love one for the other. That's right. Stay right together. If the brother you think he's a little wrong or the sister, say, Lord, don't let me ever have the root of bitterness spring up because it'll, it'll affect him and it'll take the Christ right out of my life. That poison, acids of, of malice and jealousy and hatred, that'll just take the Holy Spirit right away from you. It'll run him from the tabernacle here. It'll kill the Spirit of God or drive it away from here. Hurt your pastor, it'll do everything, see? Don't you do that. You just wax that much closer together. Draw up the, take the buckle as a brother testified a minister here the other night about having a buckle, seen it in a vision. Just that buckle's on the whole armor of God. Just put her on. <laughs> Tighten up. Move right up close to one another. Love one another anyhow. Talk nice about one another. Say nice things about one another. And then God will bless you. I, I just think that's such a, a great word. It was a warning to us. And I think we find ourselves today in a, a great hour. I've never seen an hour of resistance like I've seen in the hour that we live in. It just seems like the enemy is just trying to resist everything that God would do. And God's trying to do something. And, and there, there is a great thing that God is trying to do. And I wanted to point out from what that I perceived in my heart when I was reading these scriptures and even listening to that portion that Brother Branham shared with us, that there seems to be two realities. Uh, if you want to might call them parallel realities or two realities, even... This little article that this man wrote, he said that the people of faith or religious people aren't as intelligent as uh, people that rely on science and things. It just points out that there's two realities. And, you know, there seems to be a world or reality of wisdom, and then there seems to be a word reality of faith. And these two realities seem to exist side by side. And we find ourselves in a great battle and a great pull between these two realities. And so I'd like just to take a couple Bible stories just to quickly give uh, this to you to, to point out these two realities because we want to kind of take this path here. 
You know, we read the story of Abraham and Lot. And, and it's amazing because Lot had a, a reality. Lot's reality was that he was going to go get all this good land. He was going to have all the water and his cattle was going to prosper and everything. And that was his reality. That's what he perceived to be real. And, and the, the, the influence of that water, the influence of that grass, the flatness of that plain. And he looked at that and he made his choice. Uh, he, was, he was moved upon by that and that influenced him. And because of that influence, he chose his reality. And so he chose that to be real. But alongside of that was another reality. And that was Abraham's reality. And so Abraham went up and went up with God. And Abraham's reality was, look out. All that you see is yours. And Abraham's was a word reality because it came from God. Uh, Lot's reality was a reality of the senses. It was a reality of intellect. It was a reality of what he saw and what he sensed. And these two realities were absolutely contrary one to another. But the reality was Abraham's reality. Lot, you can go pitch your tent there. But it's mine. God, give it to me. And we see soon what, Abraham, what Lot's reality turned into. It wasn't long that he, his reality was destroyed. You know, Moses and Pharaoh were two people that sat in two different realities. Pharaoh's reality was that he had a great nation. He had a great army. He had the might to subdue the children of Israel. And Moses' reality was that God told him. And I want to emphasize that, that God told him. Your reality should be what God has spoke to you. And so, so uh, uh, Moses' reality was that God sent me to deliver these people. And that God's going to do whatever it takes to bring His Word to pass. God cannot fail. He'll move mountains. He'll call fleas. He'll call locusts. He'll call mites. He'll change the water to blood. He'll send hail. He'll kill your firstborn. But God is going to do what He said He would do. And so we find out that that Moses' reality had one reality and Pharaoh had another reality. Pharaoh looked at them as like slaves. That was his reality. These are slaves. I'm more mighty. I'm not going to give up my wealth. I'm not going to give up a part of my kingdom. I'm not going to fail. That was his reality. That reality was so set in his mind by the things he experienced, by the things that he saw, by, by the way that he was raised. He was raised to be a god. And I want you to hold that as we take this little journey to that the reality of, of Pharaoh was the, the influence that was upon his life caused him to be the way that he was. Moses had meant a burning bush, 
And that's what caused him to be the way that he was. And these two realities come in conflict. There's always a clash between the carnal and the spiritual. It's a built-in, that is a reality in itself. That in your life, if you decide to take the spiritual journey, if you decide to move up farther with God, there is going to be a clash. Sometimes it's an internal clash. Just a clash within the, the condition that you're in and the condition that God wants to take you to. Sometimes we just want to hold on and create a comfort zone, a place of rest, and, and, and we want to settle and, and just let, leave things alone. I finally am comfortable. Well, I'll tell you something. God don't want us comfortable. The last thing He wants us to be is comfortable in this world. Them eaglets got too comfortable. Mama threw them out. So we, we recognize that there's two realities. And, and, and these realities are existing. And, and, and you're sitting in a reality this morning. Whether or not you're in a reality this morning that you're in. And we can go further on. You know, we see the difference between Moses' reality and Pharaoh's reality, Abraham's reality, Lot's reality. We could take David and Goliath. I love that story. It's nothing to do with my name. Yes, it does. And it's, uh, you know, look look at... Look at where Goliath stood. He's a warrior. He's trained. He's, he's got a telescope. <laughs> a testimony of victory. He's been feared and revered. I mean, he, it wasn't ego. It was accomplishment. He was doing his job. That was his reality. And their, their job was to go conquer, to build their kingdom. And so now he comes along and he meets David. Now, Goliath's reality was David was a shrimp. And that's what he said. Do they send a dog out to fight me? Is this all the better your country is? Is this the best that you can do? But David had another reality. Amen. You know, his reality was he was anointed. Amen. His reality was that he had an unseen force that went with him. A force that had delivered him before. That was David's reality. That God's with me. And if God's with me, nothing can stand against me. Who are you, you uncircumcised Jew, to defile the armies of the living God? That was David's reality. And, and Goliath's reality. Goliath had a right to his reality. He had facts and science backing up. We have a right to, to the, our reality. We have things that's happened to us, circumstances, situations, in everything that make things real to us. 
So we find ourselves in a reality many times that's been brought upon us by circumstances. And I think the most beautiful example of that is the woman at the well. This woman at the well, she was aware of her condition. She was aware of her reality. She knew what people said about her. She, she was uh, obviously uh, ill-famed. And, and she was aware of her condition. She was aware of her failures. She, she knew she was defiled. And, and so I would say this, that she knew her reality. She understood that. She was able to reflect upon and look at the things that had happened in her life and the things that went wrong. And she was where she was at, maybe by no fault of her own. And so that became real to her. And I'm just going to throw this in there, but sometimes when people have a reality, that's what they build their religion around. Because religion is a covering. The prophet of God said it was like in thinking man's filter that they get a certain taste. And they build that taste. They, they wrap themselves with religion. And you never want to put religion around the reality that you're in. You don't want to ask God to change His mind. You want God to change your mind. You don't want God to fit to your reality. You want to fit to God's reality. And, and even in the condition that was, this woman was in, there was another reality standing right there. There, there, there was, uh, there to her, there was a, a, a reality that she could enter into. It was, it was something that was, uh, became so real to her because it was revealed to her and, and opened up to her. And that's what God's reality... I thought as this man, he said religious people are generally less intelligent. And the reason they look that way is because we've had another reality opened up to us. We, we don't go, what is faith? Faith is a revelation. Something's been revealed to us. Something's been showed to us that, that has changed our reality. And when this, this reality that stood there, this living water, when she got a revelation of that living water, it, her, her reality changed. Her world changed. There was an opportunity for her to be different. To be free from the things that were the very burdens of her heart. The very things she didn't like about her life. The very things she didn't like about her personality. You know, sometimes we're forced 
by influences and circumstances, and especially by, by groups. You know, sometimes a church body gets an opinion as a body, and, and, and it doesn't set well. An attitude or something, it doesn't set well with you individually. And this woman, there's a lot of things that were pressed on her in life. But there came a new reality to her. And that reality set her free. From all that she was in, all that the influences that pressed her to where that she was at, she was now set free. And into the city she went, come see it. A man that, that that changed my reality for me, that gave me purpose in life, that that would taught me how to live, that I was set free. So we 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 see, and I hope that uh, that you can grasp that this morning. And I'm just not talking about the woman of the well. I want to say that. This morning here, there's two realities present. The one that you sit in and the one that God wants for you. And I'm not talking about deliverance from sin or, uh, you know, sickness or those things. I'm talking about maybe something a whole lot more of a consciousness to us than the little burdens that we have in life. Maybe a reality of nature, a reality of purpose, a, a significance that, that, uh, that I'm a part of. And so we find out something, and I, if I could just maybe seeming lightly like switch gears, but... We know that God's Word calls for total separation from unbelief. So we find out what God does is He separates these realities. He separates wisdom and faith. He separated this woman and the reality that she was in into the reality that He wanted for her. God's Word always calls for separation. And, and I, I want to read a couple of quotes to you to kind of emphasize this. He said, and, and this is from the message, God's Word calls for total separation from unbelief. And he had just read the scriptures that we read that this morning. And he said, In the land which thou seest, to thee will I give thee and thy seed forever. Now the thought of God's Word calling a total separation. We only know this as we read the Word and see the Word manifest itself. So we only know it when we read the Word and then we see it manifest. And so he says here, now in the beginning, Genesis 3.1, we find that there was darkness on, upon the earth. And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters and said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. 
So the Word of God began to separate light from the darkness from the beginning. And so does it remain till this day. And so we see that, that it wasn't like, oh, God called uh, for separation and we've got to separate from the world and, and we've got to go be good children. No, it's deeper than that. God said, let there be separation. He called for separation. And, and so, in other words, if, if there wasn't a separation that come, God didn't call for it. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And so we find ourselves in an hour and in a place where God's Word has called for separation. And if God's Word has called for separation, then there is going to be a separation. So there's got to be a separation between these two realities because God's called for it. Oh, if, if this morning, if I had a habit or I had something in my life that I knew that wasn't right, that I was battling, I would rejoice in that. God, Your Word called for me to be separated from this. I don't want this to be my reality. So God is separating these two realities. That, that's what He does. It, it's a great separation. He also says, and today He does the same thing. When we're in gross darkness, as I spoke on Sunday, darkness upon the land, upon the people, and gross darkness. In the midst of all this, He is still speaking His word of life to those who want to believe it. And now we find that Jesus constantly told us that there is a separation. So I don't want you to think this morning that you're out of that program. The day we get out of that program, we become a denomination. The day that God's not separating us, the, the day that God's not moving upon our natures and moving upon our personalities, the day that we get stuck. We've heard it. We're either going to leave here better this morning or worse. Well, God wants something to take place. God's working towards something. He's had something in mind. And the way that He accomplishes that is by separating and separating. Satan's always trying to put you in a reality that he creates. And God's Word has always been looking after you, coming after you, separating you from that reality by giving you revelation, by giving you His Word, by separating you from the kingdom that Satan's trying to put us in. He says, he says He's constantly told us that there's a separation. And we find that the last thing that's predicted to the human race before the great and final day when we ascend into the presence of God, there will be a final separation. 
He'll separate the sheep from the goat. That, that's the, one of the final works that God does is he, he's, he separates us. That there comes a time that the shuck pulls away from the wheat. There comes a time when he, he's, he's going to come into your life and He's going to separate you from attitudes and natures and things that are not what that He wants you to be. He's going, he's, his whole goal is to prepare you. And, and let me say this to you. This message that we serve is not a say, staying message. It isn't designed to help us stay here. And live better here. It's not a psychological message of how to deal with your problems and how to get wealthy and how to overcome. It's not a staying message. This is a leaving message. This message is trying to get us to, to the place that we can leave. The whole thing that God's doing is about rapture. So if I could, down this journey that we're taking this morning, come to another junction. So we know that God said, let there be separation. And we find out something that there's an influence of separation. The separation, the definition of influence is the power or force to change the way a person thinks or acts. Prophet of God preached the influence message, I believe, five or six times. He, he wanted us to be totally aware of influence and the power of influence. Now, separation influences us. And, and we know that any time there's separation, any time that God separates, and Jesus told us, He said, oh, don't think that I've come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. I'm going to separate Father and mother, I'm going to separate daughter, father and son, daughter. There's going to be a separation. There's going to, uh, things are going to happen. And, and that has an influence on us. It has an effect upon us. Anytime, I don't care, even in your life, when you come through the process of coming to the new birth, and, and you start applying the token to your life. You know, it, it ain't easy to get rid of the, the music. It ain't easy to do those things. It, separation causes voids in your life. It, it causes mental struggles. It, it causes battles. It, it, that's why it's a victory. That's why it's the him that overcometh. 
uh, I'll give to me to sit on my Father's throne. Character is a victory. Uh, battling the influence is a separation. And what separation does? You know, when, 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 when there's a separation, there's hurt. There is. And that separation has a deep influence upon us. It, 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 it affects us. And, and yet, it, it, it starts to create a reality. Now, we heard what the prophet said. Now, to me, that was thus saith the Lord. It, 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 it's phenomenal because the Word of God comes perfectly in its season. It was stored up. And you know, many times we go into this storehouse and, and, and we bring something out and we, we deal with it and we preach on it. And, and, but we find out you know, that's what we believe and we go over what we believe. But all of a sudden down life's journey, that word is perfectly on time. And it becomes spiritual food in due season. And I, I you know, I believe with all my heart that that, you know, it's one of the greatest resources the church has. And, and when, when you, if you had a child and, and you wanted to, that child was having a learning disability or something, you would go out and, and provide every resource for that child that you could. And I, I believe this is a great, the tapes are a great resource to the church. Not just to us individually, but to us as a body of believers. It's one of the resources that we ought to fellowship in together. It, it, it's our guide. And we find out that, 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 that there's a, a great thing that God knew this separation would be here. And, and, and I know a few years ago you experienced something, but we're in, I'm not talking about the past. I'm talking about right now. We are looking to forward to one of the greatest times of struggle and battle and, and, and a spirit that's going to combat us and combat our lives than we ever had. You know, Satan is, is working to influence the very core values that we have as Christians. And we really need to be aware of the, the great influence. We've got to understand what's influencing us. And I'd like just to maybe to help point out influence as we move along here. We're talking about changing now from the two realities. So we understand that there was two realities God saw those realities. And so he wanted to separate his people from the reality that's in their minds. 
and the reality that's in their emotions and the reality that's in their senses. The five senses, the five emotional senses, the, the five things that Satan has avenue to, to influence you. And you still have your faith. We're not moving that out of the picture. But we understand that there's so many things that have caused us to, to be the way that we are. And so we understand that there's an influence that comes along with separation. And I, I was struck... And I want to read to you an article that was written in 1997. What is that? 11 years ago. And it, it, it's striking. But we found out that there is so much emotional trouble today in the youth and in schools. And people are dealing so much with uh, the way that people are thinking and what's motivating their actions. That they used to ask a question. And, and the question was, they would ask and they would say, what's wrong with you? You ever done that to somebody? What's wrong with you? And they found out that that's not the appropriate question. The appropriate question is, what happened to you? What happened to you? What happened to us? What, what's transpired to put anger? What's transpired to put bitterness? What's transpired to put malice? What happened to you? Did you get a hold of some of this poison? That, 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 was, that was the question. It wasn't no more what's wrong with you. Something has influenced you. Something has got us off course. Something has got us off vision. Something's happened to disturb us spiritually. And yet we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's a desire in our heart. But we've got to understand the influences and the things that happens and and when separation comes and feelings are hurt and emotions are scarred and those things, he said, you know what? He said, the prophet of God sits there and tells us you've got to be so careful because it becomes a poison in our lives. And now I believe that there's something that's going to call us out of the influence of separation. And I know, I, I've had people just read me the right act. You know, the worst thing about the right act is sometimes part of it's right. But they just tear you up. 
And it hurts. I know what kind of person I am. Is I just want to talk to you again. Sure. You know, it, it's very easily done. Just pretend that you never met. You know, I insulate myself. That's how I am. I can't help it. It's my carnal nature. That's what separation does to me. You know, I, I, I'm a type of person that, that, you know, embarrassment stays with me a long time. I'll think back of something I did in high school and feel all embarrassed. I haven't seen anybody in my high school in 35 years. Why am I embarrassed? See, there's influence of separation. So that's kind of a question this morning to where we are. What's, what's happened to us? And not just here at my church, us around the world. And I'm, I'm going to move down towards something because I think that there's something that we need to come to. But I want to talk just a little bit about influence. And this article was written in 1997 by a Baptist. Or what we would call a a conservative type Christian Baptist Church of Christ. Somewhere in in the uh, evangelical movement. He says, it stands to reason... That if we, the people of God, have an influence on the world, the world is likely to have an influence on us. Paul warns of the same. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if there's something that I want to do this morning... And, and I, I, I know you stream, and I, I was going to ask for the streaming to be turned off, but a brother said, no, there's people that heard your testimony, they want to hear you preach, that's fine. But I'm not preaching to the world. I, I'm concerned about us here this morning. All I mean is, if there's somebody here I can help this morning, if somebody that the Word, I can't help, but the Word could help. I, I just wanted to minister to us here this morning. And he says here, he says that, and and we want to renew our minds this morning. That's what I'm moving to, is the renewing of our mind. He says, it is also true that Christians have influence on one another. The diligent have an impact on those who could do better. 1 Timothy 4 and 12. The life of those who slip into sin works like leaven, Corinthians 5, 1 through 6. Their influence, though subtle, could permeate the whole church. Those who have the greatest impact are those that are most like us. Established, 1 Corinthians 5 establishes that point. 
The vile and wicked drug addict is not as likely to influence us as seemingly a strong Christian who sees nothing wrong with and suggests that you are being petty for questioning it. So people that have the greatest influence on us are those that are most like us. You see, that's the pain of separation. And they're the ones that's most like us. They're the ones that might criticize us because we have a value that we stick up with. And they suggest that yeah, well, man, that's just petty. Let's consider some of the things that influence our thinking and change our lives. Once again, 1997 Baptist. What becomes accepted in the world can in time become normal. For us too. Little by little the world thinks that it's okay and eventually infiltrates our minds. At first we may consider the rest of the world as being careless and loose with God's word. However, as time goes on, we think more and more like they do. Consider how we have come to accept what the world would have condemned years before. What the world would have condemned years before. Influence has moved us off course. He said, it it just, this is mind-blowing. Consider how we have come to accept what the world would have condemned years before. Woman in the workforce. Divorce. Wearing shorts and tight clothes. R-rated movies. Except. At first, it may simply invoke customer trimming. I'm simply pointing out the power of influence. They're victims of their own article. I mean, the world wouldn't accept those things. And he's talking about people that are slipping away. They're moving. Influence has, has moved them. Moved them off course. Moved them off of what that they're really about. That, that, that's what it, it, Satan's always tried to do. And so now listen as we, we, we read on. However, I'm fearful that those in my grandchildren's day may accept what the world accepts now. God's people could easily begin to accept in the future for evidence of how this works. Consider how the natives of the land of Canaan turned God's people towards evil. See the book of Ezra. 
It happens little by little. We become accustomed to the ideas of the world. Whether we agree or not, we become used to the idea that that's what everyone is doing. So in time, we are desensitized enough that we think it is okay for us too. Can you imagine a group of people getting together and beginning to think it's all right to run a certain person down or or it's it's okay to you know just do this and just do that see it's easy for to be influenced they they did studies and and of of juries and things Aaron may have shared some of this with you how that they, they they get one person in the jury, and, and he's an actor. And he keeps throwing things out, throwing things out, throwing things out. And a jury where 10 people or 11 people all agreed that the person was dead guilty. This actor, by sowing influence and so on, he turns the whole jury. And and they would they did studies when... When people would see something, they saw it with their own eyes. The guy came in, he was wearing a red suit. And they have an actor saying, no, he had white shoes on. Well, they didn't consider the shoes. And then he says, no, that, that wasn't red, that was pink. And pretty soon, they totally don't believe what they already knew. As fact. Let's, let's not for a second pretend that there isn't something, another reality that, that this world is trying to get us into. The acceptance of things that are totally against our values. Let me read on. What we, what we see at home, most of us would admit that at least in part, we are what we are today because of what our parents did or did not do in our training. This is true even in things that do not involve right or wrong. More and more I find myself doing the things that I remember my parents doing. More and more I see that I judge things based on how I was raised. My point is our home life has a powerful impact on the rest of our lives. Proverbs 22.6 We can influence our children to gradually drift and become looser in their thinking by a little things that we do and allow. Do you ever think that in the future your children may base their, de- their determination of what is right and wrong upon what you as a parent allowed them to do as a child? A child that is allowed to miss service for a ball game or to stay home because some in the family are tired will remember that as he gets older. 
that child may later reason, what is the difference in missing for a ball game or going fishing? You see, with every move we make, we are building a value system into our children that will guide them in the future. Don't forget that those we teach, especially our children, may carry the principles they learn from us further than we had in mind. I won't read any further than that because I want that to, to hold our, our, our point right to there. That things that happen to us and influences that come on us are not just the immediate feelings that we have. But the purpose of it is it's trying to guide our future. See, separations come. And, and you've got to remember with separation, when God said let there be separation, it wasn't necessarily us separating but the minute that he spoke it, the seed pulled, the shock pulled away from the seed. I mean, there was no reason for Pentecost to, to leave this, the, the teachings of this messenger. Vindicated and, and proven and, 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 and just there to help them. But they couldn't even control themselves. I, I thought this statement was so uh, phenomenal. If, see if I can find it. Right here. He says, I preached to you Sunday. The great symphony of God's Word being beat out. The, the changes and the junctions is only God's changing time. Like the direction of the symphony. When we see these changes of the age and the changes of time and look down on the sheet here, we find out that they're supposed to be here. We, we've got to do this. There's no other way. There, there's, just, there's, there's no other way involved in it. It just has to be that way. It, it just beats out. So the changes have to come. The separation has to come. So the, the, what I'm trying to get at is that we, we better be ready. Because there's changes that has to take place in us. There's things that we've got to be separated for. If we're preparing for what is lying ahead. And if I can make a, another street change here now. God called the separation. But it, it, it's not just a separation. But it's a separation to a uniting. That he just didn't separate us or cause the separations or the shakeups or the things that happen in our life, whatever they may be. He just didn't call for those things. 
And I want you to remember, God's Word called for it. He said, let this strike my people. Let this separation strike the church. Let this come upon my people. Let, let this happen. Let everybody start going to their own. You know, when you separate something, you separate these, these things to this and these things to this. I've watched over the years, I'm the 40th year being at home. And, and it, I was probably eight more years getting to where I'm at. So in the, basically the 50 years that I've been in this message, I have seen separation to this movement and separation to this movement and separation to this movement and separation after separation after separation. And it's all God's Word. It's God doing what He said He would do. Because He's separating, calling us to something. I'm telling you, God wants to separate us from religion. Now, if I I could, uh, in changing the subject, I I want to just say, I don't don't have any comprehension of time. I'm trying to move as fast as I can. I want to read to you a few statements out of the message, Uniting Time and Sign. Because God is trying to get us someplace. He, he, he's trying to call this bride. And, and, and again, I, I want to just take a, a simple thought, but I just want to leave it with us this morning. And in uniting time and sign, Brother Branham makes this statement. Also, well, all this uniting of the nations... These signs, national signs, we could see out here in the world, earthquakes in diverse places, different things uniting, bringing the world together, bringing the people together, all the churches together, all of these things. And well, in this uniting being going on, there is another uniting going on. Amen. That's what I want to point to you now. There is another uniting going on. But this uniting can only happen when the influence and effect of separation strikes us. He said, God is uniting His bride. She is coming together. From the east and the west, the north and the south, there is a uniting time. And that's on right now. What is she uniting for? The rapture. Amen. God's getting her ready. Yes, sir. Uniting. What is she uniting with? With the Word. For heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word shall never pass away. She's uniting herself With thus saith the Lord, 
regardless of what any denomination or anybody else says. Now, she's going to unite regardless of the influence. She's uniting herself. She's getting ready. Why? She is the bride. That's right. She's uniting herself with her bridegroom, see? And the bridegroom is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I know we've heard that so much. That the reality of it doesn't strike us the way that it should. But yet we are actually in this time. So God had to separate us from a lot of things in order that we, we unite with the right thing. And if you ever start uniting with something else or your mind gets on a different track or your fellowship gets on a different track, if you're elected, get ready for a separation. Get ready for the battle of influence. God's uniting time. Yes, sir. Oh, my. Now, remember now, there is a uniting of the Word, uniting back again, bringing back the faith that was once delivered to the saints, bringing back that this could only be done in this day. The only time it could be done is right now. It never was attacked anywhere else. The very uniting has been attacked. It's been attacked by attitude. It's been attacked by the way we feel towards one another. It's been attacked because of our own man-made principles and our, our own way that we, we, we make our stands. It, it, it's attacked. It's attacked because there's a denominational spirit that we have to battle that gets us to clan and, and do those things. Whatever he says, whatever you do, don't be clannish. Don't click up. It'll be a poison. Why? Because those are the things that cause us to miss what it is that God's trying to unite us with. He's to the saints, bring back. This can only be done in this day. The only time it could be done is right now. It's never been attacked. They went off on denominational sprees. Most churches, and, and I, I just preach the gospel. Whether it's, most churches have a lot of many denominations within them. coming together of people around certain ideas. It's human nature. And I like my mini-denomination more than anybody else's. But we got to realize that we're fighting something. 
if I'm, I'm moving very close to the end. But now, it don't belong to no denominational degree. Because it's time for the uniting of men and women from every race, every color, every creed, everything under Christ by the baptism of the Holy Spirit back to the Word. We see nations uniting. We see the world uniting. We see communism uniting. We see the churches uniting. And we see God uniting Himself with His bride. Uniting He and the church. Excuse me. He and the church is the same thing. Like a family together. Right? Uniting themselves together. God uniting. So, And then we just want to finish up with this statement here. But the church, the bride, is united by one God under one Spirit. The Spirit of God. In, all, in one holy union of God. To be one holy bride to God. That's right. All together, uniting of the body. The body waiting as a bride. As it is the bride. As we call ourselves the bride. For the uniting time of the bride, the church is coming together. It should create such a love amongst us that we could hardly be away from one another. That's right. We could just... You don't have to beg people to pray. You don't have to beg them to worship God. You don't have to beg them to do what's right. They're just so in love with Him till there's nothing else. Now... I need to find my... I want to talk in closing this morning about a people that had to unite. I believe that in my own studies that Israel was a great type of the bride. And, and because Israel was a separated people. And, and, and we're speaking this morning about a renewing of our mind. Because we understand that God called a separation so He could call a uniting. He's always had to separate His people out and segregate them out. And if you go into your life, God came down in your life and He put a call on your life and He segregated you out. And, and you heard my testimony, how I was in a lifestyle, I was in a mind frame, I was in a, a way that I thought, a way that I lived, I was influenced that way, it, it had an effect on me, but yet God had to find a way to separate me out. 
And he didn't just separate me out. I find out that the reason he separated me and has been separating me and separating me as I go down, as I lean to this doctrine, as I did these different things, he's always working that separation because he's calling me to something. And we know that he's calling us to himself. But... If I could put it in, in this light to you so that you could get what I'm saying when I take this next turn in our subject this morning. That the bride is like the Gentile Jew. What the Jew was to the rest of the world a called out, segregated, marked people with a value system and customs. So is the bride to the Gentile world and to the Gentile church. She's rejected. She's despised. All those things come in context. And we live in a very treacherous time. There's spiritual wickedness in high places. There's movements that come upon the scene calling us to put our security in things other than the blood. There's people are substituting belonging to for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There, there, there's, there's, there's great things. People that, that divided. You know, we've seen... I'm just going to be frank. You know what I mean? I don't care. I don't preach out very much anyway. So, you know, it doesn't matter. Once every eight years, that's okay. But, you know, we saw the great division. I remember when I first came to this message, Brother Ed and I went to Jeff. Everybody was there. Oh my goodness, we are glad to see one another. You believe there's a prophet? Yeah. Malachi 4 or 5. Yay! You know, that's all we knew. We were looking for a rapture. 1977, glory to God, come quick. And there's a great divide. And then men begin to come in and and, and spots and wrinkles in our fellowship and interpretations came to the Word of God. And then we come to a great hour where, you know, it, it, and they, they've got great terminologies for these great divides. We might as well be honest, okay? We might as well just get right down and be honest. And, and then we know we went through this big thing with here I stand. Oh, you know, now it's preachers against the tapes. That's nuts. And it divided people. And all these people, they, they just all got together and, 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 and these people got together and people that listened to preachers and people that listened to tape. Oh, I do both. I figured out that right away. I'm going to play tapes in church and I'm going to preach in church. You know, you might as well be friends with both sides, right? 
And, and, and so you, you, we had this great division. And, 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 and so you see this, these groups, they divide and they're dividing. And then, then a whole other group comes in and they want Pentecostal influence. And, and they pull a whole group over and they want this and they want... There's all these influence. You understand separation causes a great pain and great difficulty. And, and now, you know, the, the churches that just listen to tapes and... They supported this certain camp. Now they're dividing. Now you've got to listen to a tape at a certain time. You've got to do this. It's a shame. Let me tell you, it's not what the prophet of God called us to. And I just want to read this to you this morning. Because we've got a lot of things in us towards other people. We, we form our own little camps. We don't want to. But the influence of separation and the pain of separation is so pressed in on us that we end up Developing a mind. But I, I want to read to you, in every place that I say Jew, I'd like you to insert the word bride. I'm talking about a consciousness. And something that we've got to come to. Because if we don't come to this understanding, we're going to perish. We may still be religious, but we won't be bride material. I think that Satan has knows what the effect of separation would be. He knew what effect it would have on our spirits. He knew what effect it would have on our mind. But I'd like to read this in, in, to you in closing and hope that somehow this morning that I leave you with something that will give you strength to pursue the great path that we're on. Perhaps nothing has been as detrimental to the Jewish people. Let me read it this way too. Perhaps nothing has been as detrimental to the bride people as the modern idea that Judaism is a religion. There's nothing that's been so detrimental to us to believe is the belief that we are a religion. If we are a religion, then some Jews are more Jewish, others less Jewish, and many Jews are not Jews at all. 
It's a lie. We are one. If one Jew eats pork or does work on the Shabbat, God forbid, it's as if we all transgressed along with Him. And when the same Jew stretches out his hand to give to the needy soul and to wrap tefillin on his arm or to light a candle before Sabbath, all of us stretch out our arms together. We are not a religion. We are a people. We are a people, a called, elected seed of the Father. We are a soul, a single soul, radiating in many bodies, each ray shining forth on its unique mission each body receiving the light according to its capacity, each embodiment playing its crucial role. Together we compose a symphony with no redundant parts, no instrument more vital than another. Our path back towards the original source of light is through every other ray that extends from it. Our path back. And I hope you understand that. We, we, we have been on a path back. Back to the garden. Back to where we come from. We are in this world, but we are a people that are not of this world. We are not a religion. We are a people. We are a body. We are members. That, that's what God, the, the, the messenger was telling us. Sure, there's going to be a separation. But I'm not separating you. I'm separating you out because you're a people, not a religion. You can't join this. You were made this. You were made this people. We, we've got so mixed up. You know, everybody says it's an individual affair. It is an individual affair. Your birth was individual. My birth was individual, but I was born into a family. I was born into a people. And even though I was so far down in sin, even though I was way in California, there was a people that I was a part of. 
God brought me to that people because I had to unite with that people. I want to say it. We've got to get this in our mind. We are a people, not a religion. Because your religion could have got you in, but your religion can't get you in. Your name had to be written on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Before you were even here, He knew you. How many times have we heard that? How many times have we went over our election? How we were predestinated? How the ring of predestination was put on our finger? But now it comes time for that to become a reality to us. I'm not elected by myself. It isn't the religion that's getting me there. It's because I'm a part of a people. A healthy body is one where every part works in harmony. A healthy Jew or a healthy Jewish people or a healthy bride people is one big caring family where each individual is concerned for the other as, as for his own self. Oh my. I think I'm on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, on the hill of the mount. And Jesus is speaking. You see what separation does to us? The hurt is so great. The wounds are so deep. Even the remembrance of what that God's taken us out of weighs on us so heavy that we fail to realize that we are a people. I can't make it without you. A caring family where each individual is concerned for the other for his own. Where one Jew faces rough times and all others hold his hand. Where one meets good fortune and all of us celebrate, where no one is labeled or alienated for his or her belief, behaviors, or background, where each runs to do an act of kindness for the other and shuts his eyes and ears to the other's shame. And for this reason... For, to the other's shame. And for whatever reason one may slight the other, then all is sensibly worked out or maybe just forgotten as the right hand forgives the left for striking out of clumsiness. 
Some don't think that Jews should single out other Jews for special treatment in their minds and, and are sub, a subset of humanity and distractions should be erased. It sounds very nice. The problem is it has little to do with the realities of human nature and even less with the nature of real love. If someone ignores his brother's needs, what's behind his kindness to others? First, we learn to care for our own family, and then we can truly care for everyone else. This is the path of the Torah gives us to reach the oceans beyond our own ego. First, find the river of which you are a tributary. The place from where you come. The destiny to which you are headed and the people with whom you share that heritage and journey. And then you will reach beyond. When we understand that we are a people, We're in a world together that we don't belong in. We know the tributary that we come from. We we know where we started. We know what we're a part of. And we know that we play a part in each one's lives. I'm a part of this body, universal, wherever that she is. And, and, And that's what I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of this people. I'm a I'm a member of a church. But I'm a part of a body. I I have another consciousness. I have another value. I have another reality. In other words, I'm a part of something that that I I am born of, that I exist from, that I can't even let the local things that transpire around me become the consciousness of what that I am. I'm a people, child of God the family of God and that's what I represent I go to Christian Life Tabernacle I'm a member there I fellowship there but I'm a part of this people he said it it reaches beyond he's talking about the works that these people do. The nature, the attitude they have. It works even in the ghettos of the Middle Ages. Non-Jewish beggars knew to knock first on the doors of the Jews. Things haven't changed much. When the Peace Corps was first founded in America, 40% of all the volunteers were Jews. 
And in 1987, studies found that the more a household volunteer for Jewish causes, the more it tends to volunteer for non-Jewish causes as well. If we preach universativity, exclusivity, there would be no Jewish volunteers. We would have disappeared long ago. Only with our message of social justice in the world. There is a reason to start with fellow Jews. If we do not take care of our own, who will? No, I'm talking about a people. The Jews were a called out, elected people who were given a word that nobody else was given. And they found out the only way that they could survive is when they realized that they were Jews. Their differences in what they believed, the differences in what they chose, that that didn't matter. It didn't matter whether he was a church-going Jew or not. If he was a Jew, he was a part of that people. We are not a religion. We're a people. And if we could ever let that land in our hearts and understand that, Lord, there's a greater bond that goes beyond our doctrines, that goes beyond our ministries, that goes beyond those things, that we're part of something bigger. A greater reality. There's a reason to to start with your fellow Jews. You're talking about giving and doing all the things. He says, start at home. If we do not take care of our own, who will? Perhaps this is the secret of our survival. We are unique in this. To this day, when one Jew hears of another Jew's plight somewhere across the globe, he identifies with him, feels his pain, and is moved to do whatever he can do to help. That's the way they feel towards one another, Brother Ed. It's a unity that they have that's so unique. Because they've come to the revelation that there are people. It, it's, it's, you know, because of the time we live in, because of the time, it's going to take a special love and realization for the bride which we are part of. It's going to take a love for the church which we are a member of. No exclusions. In order to fight the influence of the time and day we are living in. In order to survive. And I want to say this again. 
trying to close this morning. There is so much individuality. And we're not going to be able to survive by self-will. Or by personal strength. We will need the strength of each member supplies to the other. We cannot separate ourselves. We've got to realize that we've been that we've been placed here. And it's an amazing thing, but we've been called and placed down here and elected people to manifest and bring to flesh to make real the word that was spoken. See, we don't do this just as individuals. We do it as a people. Because he's called, and it's calling a unity of a bride. And he said, we're a bride. We call ourselves a bride. For we are the bride. Well, when are we going to start treating ourselves like we're the bride, like we're a people? We treat it like it's a religion. Oh, if I could just sink that in. You're sitting here this morning. It's such our nature, especially in this lady Osea, to think that I've got my world, I've got my life I've got to take care of. I'm going to live it, and I'm going to do what's right, and I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe, and I'm going to make it. But He's uniting a bride, a church, a people. And they're going to have an affinity with one another. And I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart across this world, across this land, there's something burning in the parts of that bride that they've got a love for their brother and sister. They've got a feeling for the other people. They want to be a part. They want to help. When they hear one bride's in trouble, they all lend their heart and prayer to it. And the greatest... Example that I found in the scriptures that so struck me was the story of the prodigal son. Because that's been probably one of the greatest hurts to me. As I watch my brothers that follow this message for 20 and 30 years. I've watched people that I fellowshiped with and hugged and rejoiced with all of a sudden grab their inheritance and go squander it. Separate themselves. And the pain and influence of separation is deep. 
But the father sat on the hill and looked for the return. You see what separation can do to you? It can close the door. It can create such an attitude. And when that elder son came up, he he was filled with indignation because, look, he squandered everything. He trashed what he believed for years and years. He, he, he went and ran with doctrines and teachings and fellowships that we knew were whoredom. But you know what the Father's answer to him was? Son, we're not a religion. We're a people. And your brother has returned. And let me tell you, because we're a people, I don't care about the separations. I I, I don't care what's going to transpire. This people is going to be there. This people is going to love one another. This people is going to forgive one another. And this people is going to welcome their family and their members back into this family. It's not a church. It's not a religion. It's a people. We come from God. And we go to God. Oh God, let me realize... That this is bigger than me. Oh, I thought, oh God, I've been so prodigal so many times. Let me get rid of my self-righteousness. Let me just rejoice in the fact, Lord, I want my brother's and my sisters. I want them that are a part of this people to be there. Our religion might be different. Our ideas may be different. Some of us may be more devoted than others. But my allegiance, my heartbeat, is for God's people. Because we are a people. We are not a religion. And there's a great, I can't pronounce it, but it's called Havet Yisrael, which means the love of Israel. But who's Israel? We don't mean the country here. Israel is you. Israel is me. Israel is all of us. All Jews alive together 
comprised this massive thing called Israel. And that's what Israel, the country, has the name because it's the place that is home to Israel, all Jews. So we love of Israel means the love of fellow Jews. The love of the bride means all brides. The love of the bride is a love for this people, this elected, called people. For I say in closing, we are not a religion. We are a people. God bless you. think much would need to be added to that kind of a message. I think we could ponder that very deeply this afternoon, and it's all applicable to every one of us here, because so many of us think we're, own, we're special, and we got our own special idea, and then you start moving away then from being a people, you become then your own island, and I believe the Word of God comes for a certain season. It's spiritual food in due season. And we believe that God spoke to us this morning. There's a little chorus we used to sing, and, and, and I just want to just close it in, in this way. Lord, let some soul through me, and let me ever do my part to win that soul for Thee. We are a people. Let's just sing that. Lord, lay some soul upon my and love that soul through me and may I ever do my part to win that soul is standing right around you.
Brother David was coming down through the end of his message this morning. And you must have that reality strike your own heart. Are we a religion or are we a people? Has God separated us just to become another religion? Or are we actually a body of believers that when one would suffer, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. Are we that kind of a body? I must say we are. God didn't separate me and cause that pain and cause all that hurt to make me what I am today just to be a religion. It's all for a purpose that God would cause this great event to take place within our lives. There's a service this evening and I wouldn't want to miss it at all. The David will be speaking this evening's service at 5 o'clock. I thought it was very applicable when he started and he used that quote out of Christ the mystery God revealed. And it's a very secret. Your religion, you won't be here tonight. But if you're a people, you'll be here tonight. Brother Brown was very clear in that quote. He says, we'll look for a reason. Won't show up on a Wednesday night. He says, you be here. Why? We're not a religion. We're a people. And so you say, well, there will be empty pews here tonight because we don't come Sunday night. You're a religion. Get to be a people. And we can't miss one another. Brother Bram said, where are those times where we just cry and say, I just can't leave you, my precious brother. I can't leave you, my precious sister. But society makes us hard. Makes us hard. Let the word make us tender. Tenderize us, Lord, you did by your word this morning. Do that work within my heart, I pray. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are not an island to ourselves. You have called us to this great body of Jesus Christ, knowing each part has a part to play. Every joint supplies and meets that need to that body. And we heard not just a man speak this morning, I believe we heard the heart of God speak to us. And so, Father, we will ponder these words cause it to have a great effect upon all of our lives. Lord, that we, when we rehear that message, Lord, you'll speak even more deeply to us. And Father, I pray that you'll strengthen your servant as he will come this evening, minister the word of life to us. May we come with great expectation. May it not just because, come because it's just an evening service but because we are a people being separated to a rapture. And this is a message we need to hear to prepare us for that great event. So, Lord, some will want to stay. Some will want to pray. I pray you'll be with them. Some will go immediately. We pray that the presence of God will rest upon them. Bring us all back safely this evening. We ask it all in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Lord, love that soul through me. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, lay some soul 
upon 